Ever since the Bill podcast began, I have daydreamed about saying the words, Boyden is back. So a huge thanks to the mighty Tony O'Callaghan for sharing his time and making that possible. The gold dust flowed right from me off and the interview begins with Tony recalling how he joined the bill as a regular. I started in 91. Yes. Half hours then. They were still doing the half hours, which I still think were... I think were the most successful period of the bill. Mm. I thought they were absolutely magic, those, because they were like little short stories, you know. Yeah. There wasn't always a beginning, a middle, and an end, because it was not possible in 24 and a half minutes, but by and large, they were very tight stories. The producer, uh, Michael Chapman, I think he came from like an editorial background, and I think that's where his strength lied, because he cut the bones of that, so it was very, very tight stories. I, I personally thought were the strongest. It was on three times a week yeah, yeah. at that stage. And there were some cracking stories. Mm. They, they'd hit the ground running. Yeah. You know, like a guy would suddenly be in custody and suddenly pull a gun. And there you go. Yeah. You're yeah. into a whole you're thing. Of, you're off. Here we go. There's one episode you did, It's All in One Take, with Billy Murray. That's right. Three in a bed. Three in a bed, that's right. About, didn't he have a mate who was caught for drink driving? Absolutely right. Yeah. I think it was two takes. It was the one take to the, the to the break. ad ad break, and then another take. Yeah. So it was it was a bit like live telly. Yeah. Oh, it was a pain if you fluffed. Oh. Oh my God! If there was any fluffs, you had to go because you oh, know it was cabled. Was the cameras all had cables. Right. So so you know there's a cameraman with a thing, and they'd have the, they'd all be behind doors, you know, out of shot. And as you went past, they'd suddenly come out, you know, and it was all this. And there were people behind feeding cable as the, as you went along the corridors. And one fluffy, it would cut, and it was like, back, back, you know, back, or if the boom came in, or... You know, I mean, how much rehearsal would you have had on that when you were just doing the one? I think we we had a bit. I mean, I don't... I'm not sure, but I don't think they'd done one like that. They did live episodes after. Yeah. I think that was the first to actually do the whole episode, both on, sides, in on one. On a take, yeah. yeah. Um, we had a, a, a... Certainly had a day to go through it if not two because I mean you normally you, you do so many takes you know take, but because it was all in the one take yeah. we had it we had a good old go at sort of rehearsing it uh, scary oh I bet it must have got the old butterflies going. Yeah, you see the camera coming down the down the corridor through the doors you think oh god it's me oh. <laughs> god, what's, uh, well, yeah. what's my next what is it what is it well, you, you and Billy are like one of you is never off the screen I know. in that episode I you, know presumably you had to work out like for the camera to have a reason to move, it, you have to move oh. to, to actually bring the camera oh, along. Who was the director? Is AJ it? Quinn. Very good. God, you're excellent. <laughs> you're very good at the Bill Quiz. Oh, you're yeah. spot on, you are. Uh, AJ Quinn, that's right. We did a sort of a rough go of it. We rehearsed, I think, and then we had a go at the first half. That might have been disastrous, I can't remember. I, I don't think it was going awfully well, but anyway. And then we had a, a little go at that, and then we had to crack on and, and do it. You know? Yeah. There were times when I think he must have thought, do I put a cut in? Mm. It's very tricky, because you've got to go all the way back to the beginning, reset, reset props. The whole thing, it took about half an hour to reset. 
everybody back in position, the cable, you know, all that, you know. Lovely actor that played the guest who played the guy that was being yeah. next, Pip Donaghy, really nice guy. And he had to have pretend sick already right. out of camp, out of shot. There was a sort of thing of things. So he'd go, oh, he'd duck out of shot, take a little bit of some, whatever it was, vegetable soup. And then when he was back in shop, oh. yeah, I, I know, I know. But it was all that, you know, all yeah. that stuff to get ready. That was, yeah, God, blimey. And you're reading all his rights to All the rights and yeah. all that policey gumph, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was, yeah, it was quite exciting, though. It's oh, quite yeah. exciting. Without a sense of achievement, having oh, got through well, it. Of course. And it's quality. But that's what the bill was. It seems to me in this era, yeah. you guys were pushing the envelope all the time with episodes yeah. like that. Brilliant like, writers, though. I think it, yeah. all st- it all stems from the writing. Mm. That was the thing. And especially with those half hours, they had top, top quality writers because, in a way, they, they had free reign. Mm. You know, within a structure they could more or less come up with anything they wanted and they could write a story. When you're stuck into serial mode, there's a storyline about Boyden who's having a thing with so-and-so, that has to be in the episode. Quinnan's having a, th- a thing with Polly, that has to be in the episode. Do you know what else? So yeah. it's all right, then you're, you're stuck to carrying on the soap-like storyline. Whereas with the, with the half hours, they were completely autonomous and separate. Yeah, uh, and the writer had free reign to write whatever he wanted. We had wonderful episodes. We had I had an episode with Reg, and it was just us on a night shift. Oh, that's a cracker! And nothing. Ha- there was no. It was just me and him in the middle at like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And there was a wonderful bit where he just simply got his lunchbox out and opened it up and carefully took the sandwiches that were wrapped in so and the the tin foil was opened carefully and then he had salt and pepper in the thing and they came out and then he go and, I'm st- and I remember a shot and I'm just looking at it and I'm going what the hell are you doing I'm having my lunch Sarge <laughs> but it's not lunch it's half past three but, you know it, it was all that it was just uh, uh, us reacting and, yeah. uh, and then people just came through the door well, I mean, some guy that firebombed his girlfriend's car, <laughs> uh, some, you know, whatever it was, I can't remember. Yeah. But that's all it was. It was just, just night shift. You and Jeff, I think, I mean, what a great double act because yeah. they they gave you, I think, it's a lot of people's favourite line ever. With Reg, where you say Reg Hollis deprived some village of their idiot, which is a <laughs> great boy didn't lie. <laughs> it was it, it it kind of worked in a funny way. Yeah, and I did lots of bits with him, and I did lots of. Lots of bits with the lovely Colin Tarrant, of course. Oh, I know, which was very sad. But he, he, me and him, a very different dynamic. Yeah. But uh, I had lots of stuff. He was always had an eye on me. Yes. Never fully trusted. I think his character sort of took a blind eye to. He didn't like the methods, mm. and you know he wasn't exactly playing it by the book. But he, he sort of was okay that he got it done. And oh, well, I don't really want to know what he's doing. Yes, you know he was the only character who really called him Matthew. That was mm. his thing, wasn't it? It was it was quite fatherly in a way. It know? was. It's also a bit. Well, it's also the way he was quite. I, I don't know how Colin saw him, but I always saw him as something. He was called Munro, which a Scottish sort of twist to it. And I always thought, well, oh, he must be some sort of Presbyterian background there somewhere, you know. Mm. 
he played everything straight, 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 you know. Yeah. But it was interesting then when he didn't, didn't his daughter, well, I know my daughter turned up, but his, his daughter turned up and that, that kind of knocked him off his centre a bit. Yeah, there was, I remember there were episodes where he had to, but the episodes where the daughter, I thought were great. I loved oh. it with the daughter. Well, yes, because... Well, that was the end. That was my demise, of course. That well, was the yeah. beginning of the end when she pitched up. But they sold that seed lot, I think it's four years earlier, when in her first appearance. And yeah. you were terrific in this because you find out she's living in this hovel and she's got a baby. And you That's turn right. up to try and find the father, the so-called father, and she's yeah. living in this flea pit. And you're bricks. You just lose it, and you grab this guy. Where is he? You know. Oh, that's right. Oh, the, and they were d- doing drugs and that's right. whatever they were up to. And yeah. she stays with him. So like, I know. He, he yeah. always. I mean, what a brilliant character. I mean, you, they really did you proud. I think because. Yeah, but I was lucky. I mean, in a way, I mean, the the. If we rewind, yeah. What happened was, um, I played a guest character. Yeah. In a in an episode. Danny Moran. That's right. Bloody, you are good. Yeah. Uh, that's right, Danny Moran or something. Anyway, nice part, small part. Uh, and I always like, I always liked the bill. And I thought, God, it wouldn't be great to be in the bill. Have a stint. I didn't expect to be in it for twelve years. <laughs> I didn't think that was ever going to happen. But I thought it'd be nice to have, you know, a few months as, a, as something. Anyway, got a call, uh, audition, and, and apparently, what happened was that did you'll know? <laughs> did they move Eric up into a sort of office job? Absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. yeah was he, he some liaison office or something? Yes. And, I can't remember. And Ro- well, Roger Leach left. That's right. They didn't want Larry to go, but Larry was getting a bit fed up. Yeah. And so Larry and Eric did that job swap. Yeah. But then Larry disappeared. He went to get a pencil and never came back in his words. And but I joined by that time. Larry yes. was still there when I joined. Yeah. Just. But um, I think the whole premise of me turning up was they wanted to see how it would go story-wise with Eric doing this other job. Yeah. Um, and I was brought in. Um, I didn't. I didn't know it, but I was like a temporary character just to fill in to see how it went. Right. And after three months, I didn't get that many scripts to be honest. It, 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 it little bits, and I, I couldn't get a foothold in it, you know, because obviously, what writers see on the screen, they write, and if you're not on the screen. Then, then it's difficult, and you live or die by the scripts. That's that's the bottom line. And after about three months, I got this letter from Michael Chapman, and he said, um, uh, "Thanks for all your hard work as the character as Matthew Boyden. Um, I'm afraid we won't be continuing with your character uh, when your con- contract expires. Uh, the six months expires." And I went, "Oh." I said, "Oh." So I nipped into Nigel Wilson, and I said, yeah. "I've been given a boot." <laughs> He said, "Have you?" He was quite shocked. "Have you?" Because he knew it. You know, Nigel yeah. knows everything. He knew everything. He knew. You know, he he, he was like the hub, right? All the gossip, anything you want to know, you get it from Nigel Wilson, right? And some things you wouldn't want to know. Um, <laughs> and he said, and he genuinely said, I, 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 he said, let me anyway. He he said, well, yeah, they they just thought that. that to be honest, they didn't think it was working with Eric particularly in the new role he wasn't he wasn't getting enough and he was quite a central character yeah. it, it's not really working f- for him they're going to bring him back down and and you know Boyd hasn't didn't really kick off I'm, oh okay well I'm walking through the office and Richard Hanford was one of the producers who went on to become an exec yeah. you know later and he went 
sort of nodded to me. I went, what's wrong? He said, come in here. He said, you got the letter? I said, yeah, I did, yeah. I'm a bit pissed off, actually. I was hoping to, you know, have a year. He said, well, look, I think Michael's uh, made this decision and, 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 and we can see where he's coming from, but actually it's kind of put us in the shit a bit because if he's getting rid of you then we, we've, we, we need another sergeant we can't get Eric out of there quick enough right. would you I'll have a word with Mike would you hang on another three months after the six you know when you're supposed to go and I went well, yeah of course yeah no, not a problem he said okay well, let's see how it goes so anyway that was that I got my leaving script and it was a real good one and it was the beginning it was the beginning of Boyden wow. it's when he raided he went into a flat somewhere and there were all these sort of Turkish immigrants there was this girl yes and he, he went oh she's not too bad yeah uh, and of course he sort of in his own way sort of sidled up and that I hadn't had anything like that before and that was the beginning you know of, of that of that real character mm. taking off well of course that episode what was supposed to be my leaving episode went out when I say I never heard a year later I'm still there <laughs> And when Michael Chapman, the producer's walking down the corridor, I'm going, oh shit. I've sort of di- dived into a dressing room. Because I think if he claps eyes on me, he'll probably think, I thought I sacked him. You know, I had this idea, if I just kept my head down and kept out of his way. And 12 years later, I was still wow. there. It was, a, it was a really odd thing. Yeah. I wish I'd kept the letter from when I was sacked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and had it framed and shoved it in the loo or something. Thank you for all your hard work. <laughs> wasn't long after that they did the awesome snakes and ladders where it's it's entirely set the station it's you hugh higginson's character has been beaten up because you've gone round another woman's flat to have a bit of hanky panky and he's got beaten up yeah and when they find out it's it's the relief versus boyden that's right it's a solid episode and it's like is he and i'm cornered into the where the lockers are yeah yeah and that came after right the the so-called leaving episode that was a good. Didn't they cover me in feathers or? That's right. You open your locker. Yeah, you have to walk. You have to have a sort of walk of shame, and then yeah, you open the locker, covered in feathers, and then Hugh Higginson's behind me. He comes back the next episode, back on relief, and it's all late at night, and it's pretty much in real time that episode. Yeah. Brilliant. Again, like, that was quite. Yeah. Yeah. Is he gonna thump you or not? That's you know? right. So that's that's the story. That's how wow. I was really supposed to have gone, but luckily, it like I say, the writers see what you do, and from that leaving of a so-called leaving episode that started the, that whole boy in slightly dodgy yes you know you didn't quite know but the as always with build characters you can be dodgy as you like but there's got to be some heart somewhere yeah there's got to be there's got to be a positivity mm. if you if you tip over the line that way you are in danger of being written out because you go. It goes. It sort of goes too far. And there was always a, a part of him, you know. He always had, not in a self-interest way. He always. He always. When the prostitutes came in, there was a lovely episode where this older prostitute, and he he genuinely felt sorry for them. Yeah. An old age pensioner came. His wife had died. I think there was a suggestion that he'd. There was a euthanasia thing going on, storyline. But he wanted to bring his dog with him into the cells, and I said, "Well, you can't bring, you can't be bringing dogs in here. You know, kind of all out. It's not, it's not fucking zoo." <laughs> and he and he said, uh, "But, but I, I, he's all I've got him." And and there was a real empathy with Boyden to him. Yeah. 
Love that's a lovely episode actually. But yeah, but but the whole point being, you know, is that there, there has to be a heart somewhere in there at the, at the root of all this dodginess, and that would go for all the characters, yeah. I think. And I love the fact that Tony Scannell, who's marvelous at <laughs> Ted Rogers, in yeah. his final hour, the one guy who kind of understands <laughs> where he's coming from. Yeah. yeah. Was there an, epi- was an episode where he beat up Colin? Sarin? That's right. He's, it's called Punch Drunk. It's his yeah. last episode, and. Even after he does that, you or you say, "Are you on self-destruct?" You know, what's going on? All you had to do was say sorry, and sorry, he looks and then him we'll up walk and away down. from it. Well, it's not my style. No, yeah, <laughs> that's it. You, you, and, he, and it was great when he came back. Yeah, you know, I did a like tour that. with Tony. Oh yeah, was it a murder play? It was a mu- it was a murder mystery thing tour. Wow. It, it was and it was really, it was lovely to see him, but it was kind of weird, you know, after all those years. Back with him, we shared. We shared dicks actually. It was lovely. He's it was really fun to see it. Oh he's, yeah, he's proper actor. Yeah. Proper, really. And you know, I suppose the Irish thing as well. You know, he he came from Cork. Everyone thought he was Welsh. Well, yeah. But he wasn't. He came from. He came from. I think he was born or brought up in Kinsale, in Cork. And I know that area really well. We've we've actually got a place not far. We go backwards and forwards there a lot. Well, where did you grow up? Let's go back to your, your beginning. and Where yeah. did the acting bug come from? Well, I don't know. There's none of it in my family, clearly. My dad, my mum and dad are Irish, uh, came over here in the 50s, uh, immigrants. My dad uh, ended up sort of working in the building trade. Uh, my mum had lots of jobs, you know, shops and cafes and God knows what. And I don't know where it came from. It was in, it, right from, I think I was six, seven years old, someone asked me, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be an actor. And I haven't got a clue. I'd only ever heard of Laurence Olivier. Wow. But um, we lived in a flat and the uh, old age pensioners downstairs uh, were there all day. And they used to look after me a bit during the holidays because my mum had to work. And my mum worked at the local Odeon cinema. We lived in Golder Screen, North London. And he used to take, lovely Joe lived downstairs, he used to take me to the cinema. Sometimes he'd stay and watch films. Sometimes he'd just see me off in there. My mum would sort me out with box of Maltesers and I'd just sit there and watch all the films and I'd watch them back to, I'd watch them again I sat through Lawrence of Arabia twice I didn't have much of a clue what was going on but I just thought it was amazing it was epic yeah sand and all that music and I just fell in love with it and I, I don't know whether, whether <coughs> that's where it came from but it was in my head from I don't know right from the word go I remember the, there was there was a row of shops, and there was a chemist shop, and round the back, all the shops used to shove their old rubbish out the back, and there was a makeup company, like Max Factor or something, like that, who had a display of a TV screen, and they used to have the makeup or something. They had it in the window. Well, they chucked that old cardboard TV screen. Well, I nicked it and I brought it home. And I was doing acting on the other side of the cardboard TV screen. I love it. Which is a little sad, nice but 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 there you it. go. At seven, eight years, they, they, yeah. they, they, I was sort of doing my own little plays, and oh, that's I know exactly what I'd have done. I know. I, I love it. What we we moved, we were living in Golders Green, then we moved to Bushy, which is just outside London, Hertfordshire, and then the flat we were living in, they paid my dad money to get out. They wanted they wanted to develop it all into an estate, it was a big Victorian. <coughs> we lived in a big Victorian house flats and the old lady that, that downstairs that owned the whole lot she passed away 
and her son was a solicitor or something, and they sold it off to a developer. So they gave my dad money to move out because he said, "I'm not moving." You know, you'd have to yeah, yeah. quite rightly. Yeah. Um, he was a you know sitting tenant, and with that money, he bought an old post office in Cambridgeshire that he went about converting into a house, and we moved up there. So that's where we ended up, a place called Ramsey in, in Huntingdon. So that's where I was about 14 when we moved, something like that. Anyway, the point of the story, time went on. I joined the Amateur Dramatics Society in Huntingdon, and I, I got the bug again for all this acting malarkey. I didn't say anything to my parents, but I got in touch with the local council, uh, the, the drama advisor, the bloke shelled out dosh right. I said what well, how do you go about this what what's what's the story and he said there's the list of drama schools these are the ones we'll give money to the rest you, you'll have to sort it out yourself so there was all fancy schools like RADA Central and uh, the drama centre where I ended up going right so I auditioned I didn't tell my mum I don't know Morris Minor I didn't say anything to my mum and dad. I got an audition for RADA, it was the first one. I was working, I, I'll, I'll wind back because the story's quite... quite yeah. I was working in a diesel engine factory called Perkins. I was 20, something like that. I was working on the shop floor just to get money, and it was good money, you know, doing shift work. But then one, one night, this bloke in a suit came round, American accent, he said, um, Excuse me, sorry. Can I just uh, ask you what what act what is it you're actually doing here? What what do you do? I said, oh well, I look after the stores. I make sure all the parts get onto the line. There were lines, like you know, conveyor belt lines were done. He said, oh, I see, I see. Uh, how long have you been here? I said, oh, a few years, year and a half. Uh, he said, very good. And, and and did you do any qualifications before you came here? Or I said, yeah, I did. Tomo levels, a couple of A levels, but I worked in an architect's office, but I did my kit. I didn't want to work on my own, and I just wanted to earn some money. Thank you very much. Sorry, what's your name? And I said, oh, it's, it's Tony O'Callaghan. Very good, Tony. Nice to meet you. He was gone. A week later, the manager calls me up into the office. He said, did you meet some bloke in a suit in the middle of the night last week? I went, yeah, I did, yeah. He said he was the managing director of Massey Ferguson. Was he? Yeah. Do you want to move into the offices? I went, no. No, I don't. He said, well, it won't be shift work. There's a job going. And if you put in for it, you'll get it. I said, what job? He said, it's a, a progress chase, a, a, ringing up companies, getting the parts in, and you'll get a car. And I went, yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, no car. A Hillman Avenger. All right. So I did this job, and I hated it. Oh, right. I hated that all the camaraderie that I had down on the shop floor with all the women, all that, yeah. you know, taking a mick out of me and everybody. <laughs> I loved it on the shop floor. It was much more me. This bloody office malarkey. What it was were loads of tables in a row in a massive warehouse of an office with telephone lines dangling from the ceiling. And from the minute, nine o'clock, bang, everyone's on the phone. It was a bit like the money market or something. Chasing. And you're in teams of five uh, there was a, a group leader or whatever he was called and four of you and it was all backbiting they were all trying to get on and i didn't want to get on no i was interested i i didn't like it and i went away with me mate he had a he bought a new mini and we went down to cornwall to st ives in the mini 
right? It took us days. You know. Anyway, we got to St Ives, and we had such a good laugh. It was like Easter break. I, I booked a holiday, and I said to him, "I'm going to leave this. I'm going to. I'm going to try for drama school. I've been thinking about it." And he said, "Really?" I said, "Yeah." I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna do it. Anyway, I took two or three days extra on this holiday. Went back, and this group leader was. A, he said, "You've got a meeting with the the main manager at ten o'clock. He wants to see you." Okay. And all all the guys are sort of looking at me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> ten o'clock. I went in, and I remember Mark James. His name was bit of a character he used to run the, the local railway thing the old steam railway <laughs> one of them anyway he said right I'm going to have to give you a written warning do you want your union representative I went no he said you're happy enough to have this conversation with me he said right how it works is two two written warnings and you're out okay you went away on holiday all this crap about you crashing a mini into a granite wall you could have come back on the train you can't just can't come three or four days late back to work and expect to get away with it so you're going to get a written warning Are you okay with that i said mark i've got to be honest with you there is a reason why i came back late and i'm i'm just not happy here and i've decided to leave and he went leave where i said i'm i'm going to be an actor <laughs> he went <laughs> I'd love to have seen his, his face. face. <laughs> You're going to be an actor. Have you done any acting? <laughs> a bit. I said, I've done a bit. Yeah. But, you know, at school. Um, no. I've thought about it. It's not, you know, and I'm going I'm to give it a go. And he was really good. He said, have you actually got in anywhere? I went, no. And this was Easter time. So, you know, it was getting up to, my chances of getting in were slim. I'd left it too late. He said, look, I will, I will, will, let me know what happens. And from the time you get in, we'll start the notice, okay? I said, which was really good of him. I said, okay. Anyway, went back to the table. Of course, it's cacophony of noise everywhere. And they're all going, they're all going, shh, shh, it's coming back, it's coming back. (laughs) So I sat down, I opened my, all the documents to start. And the, and the guy, the manager at the end, he said, did you talk to Mark? And I went, yeah. He said, how did you get on? Yeah, yeah, it, 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 was, it, was, it was Frank. <laughs> and he said, okay, any chance of getting on with a bit of work? I said, yeah, can I just make one telephone call quickly and then I will press on. He said, yeah, make it quick though. So I picked up the phone and I said, can I have direct inquiries please? And they're all, they're all, they're all working and sort of looking at each other. I said, hi, can I have the number of the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art? <laughs> and they've all gone, what's he fucking doing? <laughs> so I rang the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art and this, this chap's come on the phone. And I think it was the guy at the front door, the porter, whatever. Right. And like, Royal Academy. I said, look, I'm really sorry to bother you. I know this sounds strange. Could you tell me how you actually apply? For the... I didn't know. He said, Absolutely. What you do is, um, you, we, we send you the forms. We tell you about the pieces you have to learn. You'll have to do a piece of your own choice, and it's ten quid, which was quite a lot of money back in the day. Nineteen seventy-seven was quite a lot of money. I said, right. He said, I have to tell you, you've left it a bit late. I said, could you tell me what other schools you think are good? And I'm, I've had, I've got the list of the council. He said, oh, Central's very good. Uh, I've looked at all these schools. I said, thank you very much. 
put the phone down and they're just staring at me like I'm a complete fucking <laughs> lunatic, you know. <laughs> anyway, then I pressed on. I applied for these drama schools, went down to RADA in me Morris Minor. Of course, I never told anybody, not even my mates. Turned up and it was awful. I was rubbish. I mean, they were quite kind to me. They said, thanks very much. Went back downstairs. There's a whole room full of kids trying to be actors. This lady came in. Um, Mark Rogers and Stephanie Turner, please stay behind. The rest of you, thank you. Next one was Webber Douglas, which is down in Kensington. Bloke stopped me halfway through. Thank you. No way. Can you remember what you were auditioning? Like, what was your... I think I was doing a bit of Shakespeare that they'd sent me. I think it was a bit of Midsummer Night's Dream, something like that. Central got on a bit better. I could only afford four schools. I just didn't have the money. So the fourth was Central. They asked me back for a day to do improvisation. and uh, that, that went a bit better. I was getting the hang of it. Anyway, that yeah. went a bit better, but I still didn't get in. And then Drama Centre was my last, last one. That's my last crank. That seems a suitable cliffhanger to part one. If you're listening to this in December, it's a sneak peek for the wonderful patrons to the Bill podcast who have supported its growth and made it possible for me to travel down and interview legends like Tony in person, both of us with our own microphones. So thank you because you have made it all possible. More gold dust to come from Tony in part two in January. Until then, Merry Christmas and thanks for listening. Bye for now. Oh,